Welcome to How Leaders Lead, where every week you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I break down the key learnings so that by the end of the episode, you'll have something simple you can apply as you develop into a better leader. That's what this podcast is all about. Today's guest is Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and let's be honest, the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, we all go into new situations where we're expected to come in, turn the team around, and perform. And that's exactly what Tom did at the Bucs, winning the Super Bowl in his very first season at Tampa Bay. I mean, that's why they call him the GOAT, right? So in this conversation, we really dig into what made that transition from the Patriots to the Bucs so darn successful. Now, of course, Tom is known for his elite discipline and his grit and with good reason. But Tom is also incredible at building relationships with his teammates, coaches, and management. For us leaders, so much depends on how we connect and communicate with people. Do we know how to convey our expectations clearly? Do we know how to build consensus? Do we have the courage to tackle the tough conversations right away and not let them fester? Tom sure does. And this conversation is a goldmine of wisdom for how to build strong relationships through clear communication, especially if you find yourself leading in a new situation. Oh, and by the way, if that's not enough, Tom gives me a pretty darn direct answer when I ask him if he thinks he can play until he's 50. (laughs) So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with my good friend, and soon to be yours, Tom Brady. Tom, I want to thank you, first of all, for doing this podcast because you've done two before, but we do have a streak going. I think we should keep the streak going. If we break this streak, then I'm not as smart as you might think I am. So we're not breaking this. (laughs) All right. Well, let's just keep uh, doing podcasts and winning Super Bowls, you know. Uh, Tom, it's not often that you get access into the psychology of, of one of the greatest athletes of all time. So I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. Well, and first of all, I'd like to say thanks for having me on. I know we've done this a few times, but I think what I appreciate about what you're doing, David, is you're, you know, you have such a distinct point of view based on your experiences. And I think you're able to draw that out for the people that you interview and you really allow great uh, access for people to hear what's really going on because you ask the right questions. So an interview is often as good as the interviewee. And I think you do a great job really tapping into what's really important. And um, certainly leadership is a big focus that uh, as I've grown into over the years, and I think back to high school, you know, I was, it was something that was probably a little more natural for me than I would say running a 40 yard dash. You know, I was a captain of my high school football team. I was ended up being the captain of my college team. I was a captain of my pro team over all these years. And I think it's just more of a natural thing for me than some other things that have been much more challenging. It's one thing, from my experience, to have the freedom of new possibilities of going into a a new situation like you did with Tampa Bay versus having to cope with year after year high expectations like you had at New England. Just how different is it to go into the pressure of, of performing in a new situation? As I think about a new situation last year, that I was coming into, I tried to apply a lot of the things I had learned over the years. And certainly a lot of the people that I have been around over the years that I have learned from. And, you know, as we've talked about before, you know, one of your beliefs, leadership is about caring for people, you know, and being a lifelong learner and curiosity and all those things I feel like are 
have been really important to my overall success, but certainly going into a new situation last year as it kind of really knocks you in the face, like, oh, this is where we're at. This is what we got to do, you know, in order to get our team going in the right direction. So much is about, yeah, process and the plays and doing the right thing. And, but it's also about caring for one another, having aligned interests and, you know, a, a goal of obviously winning a Super Bowl, which we had. But, you know, ultimately for me, the quarterback, the great opportunity I have on the field is I actually get to do it. You know, it's not like I, I'm in necessarily a management position. I get the opportunity to actually go out there and do it with my teammates. So I guess applying these values of leadership, but actually being able to do them in the field with my teammates, um, you know, is really one of the most rewarding experiences that I've ever had in my life. Let's talk about that a little more. Looking back, what was the biggest eye-opener for you? One of the amazing memories last year, I think, signing with the Bucks in March, going through coronavirus, but actually getting to know my teammates and seeing kind of, you know, I was in my 21st season, so there was a lot of experience in football. You know, okay, this is where I think I can make the most of our time. This is how I feel like I can, whether that was a physical thing, whether it was a, a mental thing, you know, this is the play that I like. This is... This is where I think we need to improve physically is how you need to improve your route running. You know, and then emotionally, us all being on the same page. So it's a lot of touch and feel, too, on a daily basis for me. And, and at the same time, trying to maintain my own level of performance. So a lot goes into it. And I think, like I said, it's um, very rewarding when it all comes together and you win. But I'm, it, more so than the win, you know, I think the joy for the year for me was in the journey. You know, meeting a new group of people, and, and I had a, an amazing two-decade career at one place, but then going to a new place and applying a lot of the things I had learned, plus learning a, a lot of new things from a new group of people. You know, learning there are different ways to do things. When I was in one place, we did it one way. That was it. There was just one way to do things. I go to Tampa last year, and it's a different way, and that's okay. And we were able to achieve and perform at a high level in a different way, which really opened my eyes and was very satisfying of, you know, okay, like this is, this is a great way to win as well. You know, Tom, so many people ask themselves the wrong questions when they go into a new situation. It's like, what happens if I fail? What will others think if, if I don't win here? Did you have any of those inner dragons pop up in your head? No, I, I didn't. That's a great question. And, and Larry, Larry Fitzgerald and I talked about this one time, you know, what comes with failure? and why that really limits people from succeeding, you know? And again, I think there's a naivete about me that, you know, what do you mean failure? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you know, you try and if it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work, but it's not failing, you know? And I think if you're thinking about failing, man, what if this doesn't go right? Yeah, that's, it's really hard to be, you know, your true spontaneous, joyful self. You're trying to, you know, not fail is a lot different than trying to succeed. And the best players I've ever seen, the, when the moment's not too big for them, is they don't really don't care what comes along with failure. You know, they know how to deal with it or they've dealt with it in the past or, you know, they understand, okay, this is, this is not that big a deal. Let me just give it all I got. And, you know, that's the way to ultimately go about things is to not think about what happens if it doesn't go well. You know, that'll set you back. You know, you don't have much of a chance of success if you do that. Well, what are the good questions you think that a leader needs to ask themselves when they go into a new situation? I think obviously having a lot of self-awareness to be able to evaluate, okay, what exact situation am I getting myself into and what can I do to help the situation? 
You know, again, football is pretty simple, you know, in the sense that, you know, it's a pretty specific position I was entering. You know, if, if you're a head coach, you're entering a different type of position. You know, you're going as a, as a quarterback and I'm looking at how I've played quarterback for 20 years and I'm looking at how the person here played quarterback prior to me and I'm going, okay, well, if I was in that situation, this is the decision I would have made. And then it's just a daily process of, okay, this is my job and this is how I'm going to try to improve this position on the team, you know, through a communication, humility, respect, caring, learning. Um, and everybody does that to different degrees, but again, you've got to be able to apply those, you know, real time. And again, some of it's physical, some of it's mental, some of it's emotional, and you have probably a broad overall strategy that you're trying to accomplish but then there's also little details that you've got to be able to figure out on a daily basis. And it takes a long time. It doesn't happen overnight because if you come in and, you know, the last thing anyone wants to hear is, Hey, this is what we did at the Patriots. You know, no one wants to hear that. That's like, <laughs> I remember when it being in package goods, people would say, Oh, I worked at Procter and Gamble. Everybody go oh, They start to gag. <laughs> so, same thing. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. And I, and I was really conscious, like, and I don't want to hear that either. You know what I mean? I want to earn what we're doing going forward. And, you know, this is how the Bucks do it. And this is how I think I can help improve what we're doing. And I was very, you know, I came into a situation where everybody was really receptive of that as well. They really allowed me to be who I am. And I think I'm very grateful for the leadership that is here prior to me with the players, some of the real veteran core players that were doing an amazing job at what they did. Um, and an amazing coaching staff that the coaches are, you know, they provide a huge responsibility on the team. But the one thing the coaches can't do is they can't play. And the players, as much as they want to coach and give strategy and leadership, it's up to the players to go execute. And, you know, I've always loved being in the playing because I get to go do it. But the coaches really allowed me to be the best I could be as well, which I was obviously very uh, grateful for. You know, Tom, you, you're you're such a big believer in culture, and we've talked about this before. And I remember you telling me when you were with the Patriots, you said the difference between us and the other teams, it's 3 o'clock, Tuesday afternoon, it's snowing, it's freezing, and we're out there going through it like it's just, you know, we got to win this drive to win the Super Bowl, you know. And and yeah. and so, you know, when you got to the Bucks, what did you see as in the difference between the cultures versus what you had at the Patriots? There's a lot of things. Um, it's really very different in every aspect. And again, it's it's not, I mean, just think of the climates, first of all. The Northeast is very different than the Southeast, you know. Being down in Tampa, the most difficult part of the season in Tampa is August. And when it's just incredibly hot and humid, the season gets much easier for the players as the season goes because the weather gets better. So you really need to be in good shape early. You know, up in the Northeast, it's very different. The, the season gets much harder as the season goes because the climate gets much colder. Everything, I mean, the, the practice facility, the lifestyle, the aspects of football are very different. I mean, when you're, when you're a, a, a warm weather team, it's much more suited to the passing game than being in a cold weather climate. Um, it's the difference between golf in Palm Springs and golf in Northern Ireland. I mean, it's just, it's a different style. Um, there's much more activity for the players off the field down here. There's beaches, there's clubs, there's nightlife, there's casinos. I mean, in the Northeast, there's none of that. You don't have to deal with any of those things. 
I mean, this is such a destination for people to come on vacation. You know, up in Foxborough, Massachusetts, that's not really a destination. And then when it comes to the football, you know, I would say Coach Arians, he's an incredible leader, but he's not a micromanager. He allows the coaches to, okay, you guys coach. I'm going to see what I'm going to see, and I'm going to add my input where I think I need to add it. And, you know, Coach Belichick is very hands-on with the defense, a little less so with the offense, but a lot with the special teams. And and obviously coronavirus, I really even haven't had a normal season yet. You know, one season it was you know, with, with, uh, you know, with COVID last year, it was entirely, I haven't even had a full stadium yet. You know, again, it's just a lot of things getting used to, and it was good for my brain. You know, it was good for my brain to relearn a drive to work as simple as that sounds, or to learn new restaurants or to learn new neighborhoods. Was there something, Tom, that you felt as a leader when you got there and you saw the culture, uh, which different for obvious reasons that you talked about, was there something that you felt like you needed to help the team change? Something that you really felt needed to be added to the culture? I felt like, you know, me being myself and doing my job was, you know, gonna, gonna, based on my experience and what I had gone through, if I can provide some consistency and continuity to the position and a high level of play. I mean, there was so many players that were receptive to what I could bring. Because the beneficiary of a good quarterback is good skill position players, good receivers, good tight ends, um, you know, the line. I mean, I can improve all those positions just by me being me. And, you know, I have a great understanding of the game of football. I played it for a long time. You know, and it doesn't take away from what the guy before me, Jameis, was, was trying to do here. It's just... I've had a lot of experience. I know how to get things done. I know how to play the game. I think through the game more mentally than physically. You know, I believe that football is 60 or 70% mental. And yeah, I need to physically be able to be capable of pass the football. Um, but at the same time, my brain is going to allow me to excel and not my physical traits. You know, every leader, you come in that new situation and you've got to address the team. Um, and you weren't the coach, but you were Tom Brady. You're the quarterback, and you're going to be the leader of the team just by that. Okay, but tell us about the first time you addressed your team. Uh, what did you say to them? I did it in probably groups of people rather than an entire team. I think when I got here, there was kind of a group of players, maybe four guys I got together with. And that four turned into seven. That seven turned into ten. That ten turned into like twelve or thirteen. And at that point, I thought I had a really good relationship with those 12 or 13 guys where they really could start to feel my presence and feel my personality. You know, I'm not someone that lets the details go. I mean, I think I'm very intent on getting things done the way they needed to get done. I mean, and a lot of things I've learned over the years, again, don't mistake activity for achievement. You know, we always say, don't think that's just because you're breaking a sweat, you're getting anything done. I mean, we're not out there just to run around. And I think working hard at the wrong things allows you to get better at getting worse. And, you know, if we're going to work, we're going to work at the right things. And I think from the day that I got here, I said, okay, these are the things that I'm going to apply on the field. I know these are the things that are going to come up. This is what we're going to work on. And I started that with just individual workouts with those three or four players. And I tried to improve that to the seven guys. And I tried to improve that to the 10 guys. And by the time we got to training camp, I felt like, okay, we're at a decent place. The one thing in pro sports that's most important is continuity. And I'm sure it's a lot like business. The more you're with groups of people, the more you're allowed to really um, anticipate where the issues lie and how quickly you can solve the problems. 
It's different in football. Football is a simple game, but it's hard to get 11 people on the same page every single play. And then when you add that to the defense, those 11 guys. And then when you add that to a special teams unit, those 11 guys. So then you add that to the other guys who play more roles on the team. Then you add that to a coaching staff. That's the challenge of football. You know, I could do that with the offense. It took a while for us to really come together, but I thought that was a pretty natural part of the progression. Um, you know, it's hard to just come out of the gates and be firing on all cylinders when you've never had the opportunity to be together. Was there a specific moment, Tom, when you knew that you started out with seven, you go to 12, you keep adding, you know, but was there a specific moment where you had the team looking to you as the leader? Did that happen automatically just because of your, your track record or – do you, do you recall a moment where you said, hey, they're look, I've, I've got the team now? Everyone's pretty receptive. I mean, I think by the time that training camp started, the guys were pretty receptive to saying, all right, Tom, we're here to do what, what, what you'd love for us to do. I mean, from a player standpoint, that's, that's my guys, the guys that I'm doing battle with out there. You know, they're looking to me saying, okay, you know, get it done for us. You know, and I think as the season went along, I got a little more trust in the defense. I got a little more trust of the coaching staff because, again, the coaching staff provides great a roadmap. And, you know, we want to follow that roadmap as players. And, you know, again, they're super receptive to me having, you know, input into those things and vice versa. You know, it's not like Tom Brady walks in and he says, hey, do all these things. And I don't think that's the way to do it. You know, right. you say, hey, how do we do it? And they teach me. And at the same time, I say, OK, well, I like that. I'd love to do this because this is the way that I've done it for 20 years. And I really, I can really anticipate, you know, these things. And I'm really good at running these plays. And they'd say, great, let's do those things. And I think it was a great combination of things that we're able to learn from one another that allowed us to, you know, reach the point where we wanted to reach by the end of the year. So, Tom, you know, you come in this new situation, you have a lot of new players you got to get to know. How did you go about assessing the talent you had to work with? I did a lot of that before I even got here. You know, I was kind of looking around in free agency saying, <laughs> where can I go be successful? And what place can allow me to be the player that I'm capable of being? You know, it's if, if, if you're a running back and you don't have an O-line, it, it doesn't matter how good you are at running back. If you're a cornerback and you don't have a good pass rush, you're not going to be that good of a player. If you're a quarterback and you don't have guys to throw the ball to, it's going to be very difficult for you to showcase your abilities on the field. So part of my choosing Tampa was I looked down and I saw Mike Evans and I saw Chris Godwin and I saw Cam Brate and OJ Howard. And I was like, they have a lot of talent. You know, if I can play with those guys, I think I can really, you know, be the player I want to be. And then I was able to choose here. Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement. Antonio Brown, uh, we signed Antonio Brown midway through the year. Well, at that point, I had a lot of talented players I was working with. And it's really fun for me because, again, on the other end of those passes that I'm throwing, they need to be completed. And I had a high level of talent that I was working with that was able to catch the passes and make me look good. Absolutely. It's really fun to go, man, I want to see how great I can be, but I can only be great if the other guys around me are great. Yeah. And I have a great group of players not only last year, but I'm really excited to see what we can accomplish this year because now we got a year under our belt together. Yeah, well, the whole world's waiting to see that happen. You know, Tom, do you have a process that you use for going one-on-one -on -one with a new teammate? I think a lot of it's listening. I've said this in my personal life, but also in my professional life, CCC, 
clear current communication and why that's so important. You know, really being clear, not, you know, man, I'm going to say something and see if they can figure it out or I'm going to, you know, uh, try to dance around a topic. And then current, you know, what's happening in the moment, not, hey, this thing happened two months ago and it's really bothered me. It's no, hey, this is the situation we're currently dealing with. And you got to communicate. And so many people don't want to communicate. You know, so many people want to, you know, just keep to themselves, silo their conversations, deal with people that only are going to agree with them. And I believe in, you know, CCC, hey, be really clear about what it is. And let's be really current about what we're talking about. And let's talk. And I think if we work on those things, then, you know, I don't want to have to guess all the time what you're thinking. You know, we can't solve problems if you're thinking one thing or I'm thinking another. Or I really find it difficult for people who create expectations without telling the other person, you know, well, this is what, you know, this is what I was expecting them to do, but they never did it. I'm like, well, did you ever tell them? Well, no. Why? I mean, they should know. I'm, yeah. I'm like, get that out of here. I don't want to hear that. You know, now I can hold you accountable if I told you, hey, do this, or I'm expecting this to happen, a particular uh, situation. If you don't do that situation or that, what I've said, we're, you know, we're, we're going to have a talk. But if I don't ever tell you what I want, then how can I hold you accountable for that? So CCC is really important on a personal level, but it's certainly really important in a professional environment as well. Hey, CCC, that sounds like a title of a great, great book someday. You know, I love that. That's a great leadership lesson. And it's so simple. It's fantastic. You know, you know the game so well. And when you see opportunities to improve player personnel, how do you go about influencing that it gets done? Because you're not the general manager. How do you how do you say, hey, you know, we really need a a, a Gronk or we really need a Antonio Brown? Do you just go have CCC with the general manager? Or? Absolutely. And I and I said, look, I played with Antonio and I really like him. I really we have a great connection. He's a has a high football IQ. He's extremely talented, and I feel like I can count on him. And we need to have a personal relationship, Antonio and I, and we do. And the last thing Antonio wants is to let me down, and I don't want to let him down. And I think when I'm around other great players, that's great motivation. If they're bringing their best, I've got to bring my best. And Antonio had a relationship with Bruce, and Bruce, our head coach, really liked Antonio. He made the ultimate decision to say, look, and I'm not going in there to tell anyone what to do. I'm not my job is quarterback. I'm not there to tell coaches what to do. I'm not there to tell general managers what to do. I'm there to support their decisions, you know, and to say, uh, you know, yes, I'm fully, I think that I can really help here. So if we choose, if you guys choose to bring them in, I'm all for it. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you make it successful. And I think that's what my role is. I don't want to be the general manager. I don't want to be the head coach. I want to do my job, but when it comes to my job, I want to support the things that they're trying to accomplish too. And again, that just comes from communication with myself and Bruce, myself and Jason Light, who's our GM. And, you know, I think that's how you get things done. Yeah. You know, you, you obviously have this incredible belief in yourself and you got to believe if you don't believe nothing's going to happen. You know, as a leader coming into a new situation, how do you go about spreading that belief? Is it just just doing the, the work yourself? Yeah. Fortunately, I've had a track record of success that guys could look to without ever having a relationship with me. And naturally, they believe. You know, I achieved success early in my career. So that, that, that 
helped as well when I was a younger player. You know, we as athletes want to be successful and we want to surround ourselves with other successful people. We don't want to play and lose. We want to play and win. And, you know, guys have come to play with me because they have a belief that they can win when they're with me. And again, I want to try to see them and say, okay, well, you know, I can look at a player like Gronk. I know why we need a Gronk. I know what Gronk can do to a team. I know what he can do for us in terms of our offense. I know what his ability in the pass game and the run game is. I know what he can do for the locker room. I know what he can do on the practice field. Gronk's very emotionally stable. Gronk, if you're in a foxhole, you want Rob Gronkowski with you. So if the opportunity presents itself to get a player like Rob Gronkowski on the team, I am 100% supportive of that because I want all those guys. I want all those guys that when the going gets tough, you want Rob Gronkowski on your side. So Mike Evans, I learned that about Mike. Mike was one of the all-time great receivers, but at the same time, Mike hadn't experienced playoff football, you know, because the team just couldn't figure out how to get on the right track. And watching Mike step up to the challenge of, okay, this is kind of how things have been, which basically a mediocre team, eight and eight, maybe a little less than that, to, okay, these are expectations for a championship-level team. And then watching Mike Wright rise to the occasion and step up every step of the way and embrace that challenge and really embrace me challenging him. You know, he loved it. And he was like, this is what I want to be. I'm, a, I'm this type of player as well. And again, that's just one year. Now I'm looking to see how Mike takes it to the next level. And I can already see it this year, what, how Mike's taking it to the next level. His whole offseason training is better. His whole training camp is better. He's in the best position to succeed now than he's ever been. So now for me, as watching him as his friend, I'm excited to see him play because I believe he's going to have his best year he's ever had. That's great. You know, and, and, and I have to ask you this with Tom. Did you feel more pressure in your first game at Tampa Bay because it was so highly anticipated than you did at your last game at New England in the Super Bowl? That's a good question. Again, I think I was a little bit naive toward the pressure I'd feel. It felt very much like football. Um, we got our butt kicked pretty bad in New Orleans, my first game for the Bucs. That was very humbling. I guess I was discouraged from losing, but I wasn't discouraged from our team. I realized that, yep, we still got a long, we got a long way to go. As much as I put in the last offseason, as much as we put in a training camp, as prepared as I thought I was, we were still a long ways away. And um, it was good. It was humbling and allowed us to work harder and get closer. And the losses teach you, as I'm sure you know, when things don't go well in business, those teach you a lot more than when things are going well. Yeah. And if you learn from those errors and mistakes, you know, you can reach a higher level. You know, like anyone who switches jobs, you had to get used to a new boss. What was the biggest challenge going from a Belichick to a Coach Aarons? I think just it's the process of just getting to know, you know, personality and getting to know, how, you know, what he's looking for and what is important to him. And, you know, you want your head coach to be satisfied with you. I mean, I think one thing as a player, it's it's a unique relationship. You know, it's always you're always trying to somehow gain the approval of the head coach. Yeah. You know, you just you want the coach to be happy with how you're performing. So me understanding what his expectations were for me, and Bruce has a very different personality than, than Bill. Bruce is the first offensive coach I've ever had. 
Um, in 30 years of playing football, he was the first offensive head coach, which was very different for me. Things were more suited for the offense. Um, in practice, you know, it was offense was like, hey, this is what we're focusing on today, you know, is more offensive uh, strategically thought out um, as opposed to uh, Coach Belichick over the years, who's, I would say, more defensive-minded. Um, and even in a way, it was in college for me. So we just kind of go for it on offense. And whatever happens, happens. It's a different type of strategy. Sometimes we were more protective of, of the football, of the defense. Here, I would say the defense has to be more protective of the offense in a way, which is very unique. And again, a good eye-opener for me. You know, I just had learned one way, and I like... You know, this way of the offense is very exciting. We do, and we try to we try to go for it. Every time we get the ball, we're trying to be explosive and attacking every single time. That's fun to watch. You know, and early in the season, I remember you were criticized by Coach Arians. You know, he actually went on ESPN. He said that you weren't performing like the Tom Brady that performs in practice, okay? You're my friend, and I have to tell you that irked me, you know, when I saw it on ESPN. How about you? No, that was, that's good for me to hear at times too, you know, and I think that encourages conversation between the two of us. And again, Bruce, one thing about Bruce that I absolutely love is he says what he feels. He says what he thinks and it's just how he does it. And it's his style and it's nothing personal. Do you think it was a calculated move to whip his horse? Absolutely. I think he does a good job of that and he knows what he's doing. He's got a great pulse for that. He knows what he's doing. Did that take pressure off you because he he treated you like everybody else on the team on national television? Absolutely. Now, I don't think it takes pressure off you, but it's good for you because the other players want to know I'm accountable as well. Him calling me out in that way allowed me to have conversations with him and myself. You're right. I need to perform better. I need to play better. And if I'm going to play better, you know, this is how I'm going to prepare more. And, you know, it's... It's a whole trickle-down effect. Later on that year, uh, um, you know, Coach Arians said you were like the coach of the team, and you didn't get the same opportunity to do that at New England. Now, how did it make you feel when you've evolved like that, where you said you're like a coach of the team? Well, I'm older than most coaches at this point. If you look at the NFL, <laughs> I'd say there's probably 10 or 12 coaches that are younger than me. And I have a great understanding of the game. So... I am the coach on the field. That's just the way it is. That's how quarterbacks are. And when you have someone of my experience, you know, you want me to be the coach on the field. You'd rather turn the the reins over to an experienced player than, you know, a rookie quarterback. I mean, unfortunately, they're, they may be the coach on the field, but they don't have much experience. So Bruce and I have a, a great relationship where, you know, it's just there's no beating around the bush. You know, B.A. says, Tom, I need you to do this. No problem, coach. I'll do it. And I'll say, B.A., I need us. This is what I would like us to do. No problem, Tom. That's what we'll do. And that was really exciting for me. You know, I'd say in New England, it's much more coaching focused. You know, that's just the reality of that organization. And it has been, you know, and it's just over the years, you know, I was part of that whole transgression. And it's really worked well there. The history and the success speaks for itself. Absolutely. Um, and the continuity there really allowed some great things to happen. And I think... What you'd love to do is have the same continuity here. And we have that of players, of coaches. And again, I think it just speaks to, I really want to see us what happens this year. I really want to see how we perform. And I'm just excited to get started. We get started here pretty shortly. And I want to see how the work pays off this year. You know, great leaders coach themselves, Tom. What's the conversation you have with yourself 
when things don't go your way? I'm pretty tough on myself. I don't make excuses. I don't blame others, but I want to find a solution. Criticizing without a solution is, is just essentially complaining. You may as well be a Monday morning quarterback at that point. The critique for me is all about the solution. If something doesn't work, it's why didn't it work? You know, and how do we get it to work? Not some BS reason why it wasn't successful. Let's get to the root of the problem. Let's solve it. And I think that's the best way to go about it. When was it, Tom, when you, did you have a pivotal moment when you went into this season last year where, where you actually believed the team could go all the way? I wasn't sure. I didn't think, I didn't think about that, uh, that, that destination point. I was more focused on the process of improving on a daily basis rather than the, the, the final destination. I mean, it was, a, it was a series of steps. It wasn't any one thing. I mean, it was a, there was a thousand things that we needed to do better from week one all the way through the end of the season. And by the end of the season, I'd say we were at a pretty great point. And um, I thought we were still improving as a football team as the season ended. So I didn't really know we were going to win the Super Bowl until that clock zero 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 at the end (laughs) that was that was great to see i'll tell you that you know tom i i recently learned that early on in the season your your father had a very 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 serious bout with covid19 um how did you handle the personal adversity of that and 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 play the football you played well i think part of it was just i have three great sisters who really were there for my parents um, physically and emotionally, um, two of them were up there with my mom, with my dad. And, um, you know, it's again, dealing with work, but also it's life, you know, for all of us there at this point, it's all interwoven. My relationships are my work, my personal life, my family, none of it's, you know, different. It's all the same. You know, my sisters were there to kind of hold down the fort. And I would call and every day we'd check in multiple times. And it was a struggle for my dad, but he made it through. He's a fighter. And, um, you know, just loved being able to get him to games last year. You know, he flew back for a a Sunday night game, flew back, obviously, for the Super Bowl. So just, you know, adversity brings us all closer together, brought my parents closer uh, but my brought my family closer, and um, there's no good without bad, and there's no bad without good. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things that that we've all had to deal with. It was great to see your whole family enjoy that that big moment. I'll tell you what, and not many people knew that during the season you, you were playing on a bad knee. And what do you tell yourself, you know, when you've got an injury like that that motivates you to persevere? And let's face it, you know, two weeks after the Super Bowl, I think you had a knee operation. I saw you just right after you had that operation. That yeah. surprised me, I got to tell you. I didn't know you had yeah. that kind of pain. Yeah, it, I, I had been dealing with them. Um, I tore my ACL, MCL 13 years ago. I had tore my MCL a few times over the course of the seasons um, that I just kind of dealt with. And it got looser and looser and looser to the point where there was no stability in my knee. And I knew it at the beginning of last offseason that my MCL was, was, wasn't doing its job. And I basically just taped my knee every day to create stability for like seven or eight months. Mm. Um, and I just, I knew that if I could tape it during the game and wear a brace, it would be fine. And, you know, hopefully it wouldn't get any worse. And it was already bad. So, you know, I could still play. I just 
couldn't play necessarily the way that I wanted to. And I know that sounds kind of, I mean, it sounds bad to say, because I mean, we end up winning the Super Bowl and it's, that's not what I mean when I say that. I just, you know, I knew that I wasn't physically, you know, the way that I would hope to. I just had to spend a lot of time and energy on it with Alex, um, who I worked with. And he did an amazing job. I mean, he's just literally a miracle worker. It's hard to describe what he's capable of, you know, for, for someone in my 22nd year, there's no way I could achieve the success I could without having my business partner, best friend, Alex, uh, my body coach there every step of the way, treating my knee. And, you know, he, he just, we worked through literally a, a torn MCL to have surgery. And, and as soon as the season ended, I knew we would joke, you know, okay, last day we're taping this. Well, you do everything you can to possibly avoid surgery. I mean, that's, I know that from my time yeah. at TB12 and the Absolutely. work that I did there, you know. And you have a knee injury, you work your way, you get to the Super Bowl. Now you're on this big stage where you, you've you been there. You've, you've won it six times before. You're going for your seventh victory. How do you go about transferring the knowledge you have on how to handle that, that big stage, a stage that most of the people on the team had never really been on? How did you transfer your learning to them, or, or did you? I mean, it's those games. You're going to remember those games for the rest of your life. And, you know, all I could talk about was my experience and not – you know, what the media would say or what the families would say, guys, this is what I went through. This is how I would handle this. You know, this is, it's once the game's kicked off, it's football, you know, but before the game, there's a lot more hype, but don't get caught up in the hype, you know, just, but we have a routine. It's worked. This isn't the time to try something new. Like, let's just, you know, let's just go do what we're capable of doing. And, you know, the guys responded, you know, and a lot of them know how to handle it. A lot of these guys are big time college players. You know, they've been in big games before, not quite the Super Bowl big, but, you know, there's a lot of big games where a lot of people are watching. And I'm just proud of the way that everybody rose to the challenge. Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Antonio, Gronk, Cam Brate, the line, the co defensive players, Levante David, one of the all time great linebackers in NFL history and Dominic and Sue and Jason Pierre Paul and Devin White. I mean, we got a group of guys that are You love these guys, don't you? Yeah, they're you just love it just the way you talk about them. It's like uh they have to feel that love. They're studs, man. They just know how to get it done. And they're just they're warriors. And I just I see what they go through every day. I see the commitment it takes for them. And um they're just amazing guys, amazing players. And now it's about what we can accomplish this year. What's what's happened is great. Nobody could take it away from us. No one's taken that ring away or that banner, but we got a different goal and mission this year. And it, it's I can tell fun. even in this conversation, you're getting tired of me asking questions about last year. You're ready to get onto the year. You, you know, that's yesterday's newspaper here, but I'm going to ask you one more and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on to maybe some little, some other stuff here. But as leaders, we always have competition and you mentioned studs. Okay. The studs on your team, you know, well, there's always a young gun, you know, and everyone talked about the Brady-Mahomes matchup, you know. Uh, how did you think going – how did you think about going head-to-head -head with him? Uh, did that affect your mindset in any way? He's obviously a stud, and I, I really love his style of play. He is as talented as a quarterback as there is in the NFL right now in terms of his ability to make plays, get the ball down the field – he does it with his feet. He's a really good leader. Great creativity. I think that's what people appreciate a lot from him, his creativity. 
but just so talented. And, you know, I, I had played him before. I played teams, you know, at the Chiefs when I was at the Patriots. You're not going to beat him, you know, scoring seven points. You just, you, you got to go in there and you got to have no fear. And when you play great players, that's what it's being. A lot like, look, I played Peyton Manning for a long time. There was nobody who could dominate the game like Peyton Manning. I mean, he was phenomenal. And Aaron Rodgers is another one. Um, so I played the best along for a long time. And uh, I love going against those guys because it brings out the best in you as well. So you, you, you get this decisive win in the Super Bowl. You, you prove to the world you can, you can do it in a new venue. Uh, you do it without Bill Belichick and everybody has their own rumors and wondering about how well you get along with him and how much do you enjoy, you know, showing the world that you didn't need him, et cetera, et cetera. How do you really feel about that subject? I mean, you know, let's get rid of all the BS. How do you really feel? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I just, it's, I went on a different journey. That's how I looked at it. No, nothing I've done takes away from what we accomplished it was a magical 20 years and I left it on the best terms. Um, and I think it was just a new journey for me and the journey I'm on. I don't really care what happens with anyone else. I don't care what happens with any other team. I don't have to care what happens with any other coach, any other organization. I care what's going on with what I'm trying to accomplish. So again, it was not about the Patriots I was no concern, you know, how they were doing to me, not in a bad way, just in a way that whether they were successful or not, I wanted to be successful because this is where I was putting my time and energy and I was going to be the best I could be for my, for my team. And that's where my energy was focused. Well, there you have, there we have it right there. Straight from the horse's mouth. That is the answer. Okay. So don't ask him that anymore. I know, you know, and just, you know, look, I, I was so grateful for my experience here. I think just one thing that's really important for me to say is I had 20 years of great memories and relationships, and I certainly couldn't be the player I am without all of the people that impacted my life from that organization. I was just very grateful to be in this magical place with great people, great coaches, obviously Coach Belichick, Mr. Kraft, was a great mentor for me and along with amazing players that, you know, accomplished so many things together. So I learned a lot from them. They learned a lot from me and I was able to go somewhere else and impart different wisdom and impart different skill sets. And, and uh, just so happy we accomplished what we did last year, but that was totally separate from what I had done previously. A great example of a win, win and another win, you know, which is fantastic. You don't, and Tom, I remember when we first met, I, I told you I couldn't stand you. You know, I mean, I couldn't stand the Patriots. You're a Colts fan, I, you know, for God's you know, sake. I, I really, you know, I just, you know, and because the Patriots were kind of like the Yankees. Most people, and I'm, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, most people outside of New England, you know, you know, basically hated them. And, and, and that had to rub off on you. And, and I remember sending you a note after the Super Bowl. One of the things I loved last year is I felt like people really got to see the great guy, all of your friends know that you are because you were in a new setting. You got out of that setting where you were no longer the the villain, the villainous pa- patriot. Do you think that broadened your appeal? Um, I, I definitely sensed there's a little litmus test, you know, for when I travel around and so forth. And I'm in all parts of the country and, you know, just how people react. I would say it was it, it 
it was definitely different. I mean, I, when I look at it from a real perspective, you know, if Tom Brady is always part of this team, the Patriots, and every time the Patriots win, I mean, it's aggravating. I believe, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> so for me to go somewhere else was maybe less aggravating. <laughs> that's a good point. You know, uh, Tom, I, I like everybody else, you got a lot of followers on, on Instagram, and you seem to be having a lot of fun with yourself these days, you know, making fun of of, of your speed by in the Madden game, you know, yeah. r- running a slow 40 yard dash. If you haven't seen this, everybody go on Instagram. It's really fun to watch all this stuff, you know, watching you throw the Super Bowl trophy from one boat to another boat, yeah. you know, you know, so you're, you're, t- it looks like you're taking yourself less seriously or you're having fun with yourself or whatever. Not that you ever took yourself too seriously, but is there any strategy behind this or, or is it just, you just having fun with the social media? Yeah, I think it's probably more natural for me to be more open than, you know, I think, uh, you know, I got into a, a rhythm of life that was probably a little more um, robotic, you know, and I think more my voice is uh, different because, you know, my situation's different. Again, I'm living in a totally different place with new experiences and, you know, different parts of my personality come out. So just the setting is different. And I think that really has allowed for people to see more of a 360 of me. But we you know, I like it. to have a lot of fun. I yeah. laugh a lot. Uh, you know, I really believe that being positive and finding the learnings and the, the bright spots and things is really important for me in life. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, uh, Tom. I, I want to begin to wrap this up with, with a rapid round of Q&A, a lightning round here. Are you ready for it? Great. I'm ready. Okay. All right. What's the one word that describes Tom Brady as a patriot? And the one word that describes Tom Brady as a buccaneer. I'd say as a patriot, it was discipline. And as a buccaneer, authentic. I understand that one of the things that you love is you love watches. Okay. So what you collect watches. So what's, <laughs> what's your favorite watch and why? My wife bought me this IWC Portugueser for my 30th birthday. <laughs> uh, which was uh, 14 years ago. And um, I wear it to all my special occasions. That's so great. I love the brand and I love her. Uh, and y- your favorite song for getting fired up to play? Uh, there's a great rapper, Jay-Z, who uh, who really always gets me hyped up. Um, there's a song that's called The Public Service Announcement. So it's a pretty cool song. Every time I hear it, I get fired up. So. <laughs> I think I'm going to listen to that right after this conversation. Maybe in um, some of your golf tournaments, you just put your little <laughs> AirPods in, walk in, and oh, you know, get rocking. Strutting in there. That'd be great. Your favorite social media platform and why? Probably Instagram, just because I, I like the visual aspect. Um, Twitter, I like. It's, it's just... There's less emotion. You know, pictures are worth a thousand words. Yeah. And favorite book or podcast you've learned from in the past couple months? I mean, you know which podcast I love the most. So, <laughs> um, you know, this one, um, what book? Good question. I've been in my playbook a lot lately. So probably my, <laughs> my football playbook is the one that I've been studied, focused on. Yes, no. Do you think you can play till 50? I definitely think I can play to 50. Wow. Wow. Uh, so now, Tom, you've got this whole set of challenges that comes with sustaining success at a new team. And, and you're actually the favorite to win the Super Bowl. You've already talked about you just can't wait to get going. 
what's your message to your team now? And, 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 and what's the message you're giving yourself? I think we're, you know, it's an, it's going to be a new set of challenges. So I don't know what's going to come up. I don't know what adversities we're going to face. It's going to be a lot that we don't know about. There's going to be, again, a thousand things that come up. I want us to be ready to face those, whatever they may be. So I don't really care what, what comes up. I'm not going to make excuses for anything. I'm going to attack each day with the right process, with the right emotional state of mind and try to be as close to perfect as possible. And, uh, you know, understanding I probably will never be that way. You know, I know, Tom, you're an avid golfer, so I have to ask you this one. You know, as a business leader, I, I, I hopefully I knew my stuff and I could operate pretty freely. Uh, but I have a challenge bringing that same freedom to golf. Uh, you know, can yeah. you play freely in golf like you do in football? And, and how do you manage the high expectations you have that you obviously are able to deliver in your business world when you yeah. tee it up in golf? I. Uh, Golf is a very, obviously, as we know, humbling sport. It's it's very imperfect. I think what I'm trying to do with golf is just enjoy being out there more and less about scores and more about, you know, did I have fun with the experience? So I I played more golf this offseason than I have in the past um, just because it's been more accessible. And um, I'm trying to use it as a time to decompress as opposed to, you know, find my competitive spirit. I feel like I have enough competitive drive <laughs> and I, yeah, there's definitely moments where I play in these tournaments that I get pissed off that competitiveness takes over, but for golf in and of itself, I want to go out there and just enjoy it. So can you uh, tell us a little bit about your new weekly radio show you're, you're going to host with Larry Fitzgerald this season? And, uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping that you guys bring me on a, as a guest and ask, you know, ask me some podcast questions. I love it. I love it. That's a good, that's a great idea. Um, that would be fun. Yeah. It's once a week. It's on Sirius radio. Um, it's a great platform. They've got obviously a ton of listeners. And, um, again, I want it to be really focused on empowering people to be the best they can be. And I know there'll be a lot of sports centric fans. And I think Larry and I will try to bring our learnings of the sports to, to the masses and see how, people can apply some of those winning strategies in their life. I love that. And, and that's what the world needs, you know, and you got a lot of things happening now. Your future seems really bright, but, you know, speaking of the future, my, my friend, Stephen Covey talks about living life in crescendo uh, where your best work is still ahead of you. You know, you've had an incredible career. Uh, and and I, I saw where on HBO, the show, The Shop, you basically said that you're, you're, you admitted that you're near the end of the playing time in the NFL, although you think you can play to 50. And I hope you do uh, if you want. How are you thinking about life and work around the corner? We just talked about this radio show you have. You're going to have all kinds of possibilities. How do you think about it? Yeah, I have different business opportunities. And I think when I'm really focused on those things, they're going to be, um, you know, just being able to impact people. And hopefully people can see me and go, wow, I really like how Tom's done things. I think he's got some credibility in these areas. And, you know, I'm going to help support him and try to make some contributions to 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 people beyond, you know, throwing footballs. And I, I, I look forward to doing it. I, I really still look forward to throwing footballs. But when that's come and gone. I'll look forward to, you know, trying to do other things that can have a similarly positive impact. Well, well, let me tell you something, Tom, we all love how you're doing things. 
We all love the impact you're having on this world. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you uh, joining me in my quest to really try to help make the world a better place by developing better leaders, by sharing your insights. So thank you very much. Yeah, happy to do it, obviously. And uh, again, glad we could do this. And fingers are crossed that it leads to something pretty successful here down the road. I can't wait for podcast number four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much, buddy. Thank you. Bye, David. Well, every time I talk to Tom, I'm so inspired by his leadership. Jumping into a new situation like that, proving himself all over again with a new group of people, that takes so much courage. It also takes a lot of energy to establish trust and build relationships when you find yourself in a new role. And you know, Tom has a great process for doing it. You probably remember his little acronym. He calls it the CCC model which is basically you want to be clear in how you communicate with people. You want to be current so that you really have the facts and understand what the reality is. And then you want to communicate quickly so that that communication is out there and people know where you're coming from. Clear, current, communicate quickly. That's a CCC model. With that kind of process, Tom quickly built strong bonds with his teammates and coaches. Those kind of relationships are key if you want to go after big goals and bounce back from defeats. So let's move on. It's time for me to give you a little coaching. This week, as part of your weekly personal development plan, I want you to get a sticky note and just write CCC on it. Stick that up on your desk or on your computer and let it be a reminder of how you want to communicate this week. It'll just be a friendly cue that, yeah, you need to clear up that misunderstanding or get more information so you know the reality of a situation or realize you need to speak up about your own expectations. You get the idea. This is something that you can use to help you throughout the week and hopefully from now on. When we do all those things, it creates trust and openness in our relationships. And when you've got that as a leader, believe me, you are unstoppable. So do you want to know how leaders lead? What we learned today is that great leaders build strong relationships with clear communication. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where every Thursday you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I make it a point to give you something simple on each episode that you can apply to your business so that you will become the best leader you can be. 